Hello, church. I'm just going to share a few stories uh, that happened this past week through the lives of some people at Acts 29. Not, not all of them are here, so I'm just going to summarize some of them uh, for the church. Sometime this week um, in, in Wally, as uh, people were walking the streets um, trying to see what God had for that day, uh, they met a man. Um, and this particular person has been homeless for 11 years. And they asked a question, how have you uh, been doing? What's going on? What's your story? Talked for a bit. And then at the end of it, um, the people who were walking the streets, they asked, do you want to stay at a hotel tonight? And the guy's eyes um, lit up. And he said, yes, I'd love that. I'd like to take a shower. I'd like to uh, change. I'd like to, I haven't slept like that for years. So would definitely like to do that. Later on, they found out that that very morning, his sister had met him after years. Uh, and as the conversation proceeded, he ended up saying something along the lines of, looks like there is a new start for me. Because after so many years, her, his sister reached out to him, connected, and then later that evening, there are guys talking with this person saying, do you want a new start? And um, he said yes, and, and acknowledged the fact that there is something new happening. In all these stories, one of the things that stand out is that there is also a proclamation of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do, that he is the one who binds up brokenhearted, that he is the one who takes care of you. When no one needs you, when you feel like you're unwanted, Jesus cares for you. And in all of the stories that happen, that is the central, central piece. So while you, you take care of the person, while you help in the ways that you can, uh, in all of the stories, one thing that happens is they come to know about Jesus. Uh, there was this other incident where someone was at a bank and um, they went there to withdraw money, but as they withdrew money, what they realize is that there is a lady on, on the right-hand side, and she's crying. And so asked the lady what's going on, and, and she began to share her story and said she has been separated from her son, who is 15 years old, and that she can't bear it. And um, after the conversation, this particular person asked the question, why are you homeless? And are you not afraid of the fact that during nighttime, you're alone and people can come harm you? So how are you, how are you um, living this way? Are you not afraid? Do you not want to go to a shelter? And uh, the lady's response was that she, she's not concerned of the fact that people may come and harm her because there is no one to talk with her. Her bigger problem was that day or night, regardless of where she is, there is not a single person that talks with her. So, so she would rather have someone come, not do harm, but at least talk, uh, because that is something that she has missed out in her life. There is no one that talks with her. And so the people who were there, they began to, began to pray, be began to tell her what Jesus can do, and um, they're going to meet again and see what God does. So just a few stories that happened. I know Jeremy here um, met someone at uh, Wally 
the other day and um, prayed for them, had words for that person. And again, people are, it's amazing how God allows us to meet people. And then in the process of meeting, you're actually taking care of the immediate need. But also there is a proclamation of what Jesus can do. And if Jesus is the one who initiated it, he's the one who can finish it because he's very good at that. So just some stories for us so that we know what's going on. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Guys, um, just a couple of quick announcements. April 18th, we have an AGM. April 18th, we have an AGM. And so you're invited Sunday, April 18th. Uh, You'll get an email regarding it. Uh, Don't know if it'll be in-person or Zoom. Don't know whether it'll be in-person and Zoom, or don't know if it'll be just uh, live stream and Zoom. Don't know. But uh, April 18th, so there's still time. Let's see how it goes. But uh, you'll get emails with regard to this, but I just thought I'd let you know. Um, So that's one announcement. The second announcement is sometimes people say to me, Every, we're learning things Saturday and Sunday, and it's hard to keep up sometimes. And uh, that's true. I can't keep up myself. But um, if I may use a way to look at this, it's like when you start building a house, all the, all the, all the trades don't come in together, right? Eh? They don't come in together and hang out at the house. No, each one has a time when they come in and they do their part and they leave. And it's only at the end that they see the finished house. All the trades don't come in together. It's the same way with what we're doing. What we're doing is building this thing that God wants to do on earth, which is a revival. Different parts are being brought every week. We may not be able to remember what happened last week. I find it difficult, so I don't know uh, how you do it. And uh, all I know is trades are coming in, building their part, and then they're leaving. At the end of the day, house will, the house will look complete. That aside, we're also doing it for future generations so that they don't have to do the hard work that we are presently engaging in. So that when they have to continue or launch something like this, they already have a wealth of information as to how God went about doing it. Most people, if you look at past revivals, most people chronicle the revival while it is happening. There's almost no... um, and there's almost no book written or nothing written on how it actually evolved. What were the steps that led up to? What were the build-ups? What were the layer by layer, brick by brick, line by line precepts that were put into place so that this could burst forth across the globe? It's usually chronicled after it started. And so that's the way you need to look at this and it'll really help if you do. Look at it that way and not worry about, uh, oh, I don't remember what we did last week. You're in good company. So, let's go with today's teaching. I know what we did last week. Last week we did the whole thing about keeping. Um, That was on Sunday. What did we do on Saturday? I don't remember. Or perhaps you do. Angel protection, angelic protection. That's it. You get one month free pass. If you ever get three-month probation, you now only get two. You can remind Don of it. Don is not here, so he gets another three months on probation. Yeah. That boy can spend his entire life on probation. The rate he's going. 
So today, um, want to look at, let's look at it this way. So if there was a revival that had already broken out here on earth, here are some things that you would expect from it. You would expect darkness to become light. Darkness to become light. If a revival had broken out across the city, let's not even take the earth, across the city, you would expect darkness to become light. You would expect a Ezekiel 37 kind of scenario where strength, bones are strengthened and they come together. Bones are strengthened. Dry bones are strengthened and they come together. If there was a revival that was washing across the city, you would see the glory of God as in his weight, his splendor, his magnificence and his righteousness as in his right ways. Uh, you would see it shine. You hear about that in Isaiah 60 verse 1 to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If there was um, if the revival had already broken across and was manifest across the city, you would see Christians being able to continually be guided by the Spirit in where we go, who we speak to, how we speak to, and what we do. You would also find across the city, in really scorched places, desert wastelands, you would find satisfied souls you would find satisfied souls even in scorched land. Scorched land, yeah. You would find what we've often said God would do in a revival, which is pour water on thirsty ground. So you would find well-watered gardens or well-watered ground in a revival. Thirsty ground would no longer be thirsty. It would be a well-watered ground. And not only would it be a well-watered ground, it would then have springs that flow out. Springs that flow out. That's a cool thing with God pouring water on thirsty ground. Eh? That not only will he pour water on thirsty ground, that just waters the ground. Then it gets to a point where it springs forth. Out of you shall flow. So it's not just slaking thirst, it is now pouring out water after your thirst is slaked. And uh, perhaps the last thing you would think about in terms of a revival, a word, this word always goes with revival, you would find that things would be restored and there'd be a new surge of restorers that come out. This is the essence, I would say, or the manifest evidence of a revival Surprisingly, it is also the essence of Isaiah 58, verse 8 to 12. It is also the essence of Isaiah 58, 8 to 12. So if you looked at Isaiah 58, 8 to 12, that's what you see. And if you want a title for today's teaching, it's 58, 12. 58, 12, that's the title for today's teaching. So if you go to Isaiah 58, Verse 12, and this is the same teaching we'll be continuing tomorrow. Isaiah 58, 8 to 12. Let me just read it from the NIV. 
Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be a rear guard. You will call, the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you, uh, sorry, uh, um, not uh, 8 to 12, um, 11, to 11, to 11 and 12. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your bones or your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. So... As much as this is the essence or the evidence of a revival, it is also the essence of Isaiah 58, verse 11 and 12. The title for this teaching is 58, 12. So for a city to see an Isaiah 58 revival, for a city to see an Isaiah 58 revival, and we're only talking about Vancouver, and wherever you listen to this teaching, it applies to your city, Vernon, Bahrain, wherever. If you want to see an Isaiah 58 revival, you have to engage in an Isaiah 58 fast. If you want to see an Isaiah 58 revival, you have to engage in an Isaiah 58 fast. This fasting has two, two elements to it. One is an attack on personal sin. An attack on personal sin. As in... Do not allow it, attack it. And the other one is an attack on injustice in the city. Attack on injustice in the city. These are two essential elements of an Isaiah 58 fast. And if you want to see an Isaiah 58 revival, and I would suggest to you that it's a good idea to see an Isaiah 58 revival because it's the essence of what revivals are. If you want to see this, then you have to en engage in what is called an Isaiah 58 fast. But if an Isaiah 58 fast has two components, one, it's an attack on personal sin, as in Jacob, don't tolerate the things you've tolerated thus far. And Jacob says, Amen. And it is an attack on injustice in the city. So today we are going to look at advancing the revival through assaulting injustice. Advancing the revival through, a, through assaulting injustice, advancing this revival in your city, in our city, advancing this revival by assaulting injustice. Advancing this revival by assaulting injustice. It's very simple, guys. It's a very short message, actually. So, if you want Isaiah 58, 11 and 12 to happen, if you want Isaiah 58, 11 and 12 to happen, you have to first engage in Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. So let's look at Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Let's look at another version. Let's try the message. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. This is the kind of fast day I am after. 
to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Let's read from the NLT. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from, those, from relatives who need your help. So if you want Isaiah 58, 11, 12, and my God, we don't just want it, we need it. I hope there's this tiny whisper called amen rising in your heart when I say that. So it's very simple. God's already arranged everything. In just that one chapter, you have what you need for your city. To see the things I listed in 11 and 12, you have to engage in a fast, an Isaiah 58 fast. An Isaiah 58 fast has two components. One, a personal attack on sin. Two, an attack on injustice. Today, we are going to look at how do we advance a revival in our city by assaulting injustice in the city. And we'll continue it tomorrow. And one of the ways we assault injustice in our city is by practicing Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7. Let me just put down Isaiah 58, 6 and 7 in ways that we can understand. One, break bondages. And I know the word bondages can be very extensive, but let's just call it, leave it at that, breaking bondages. Two, feeding the hungry. This is not some kind of social gospel or anything. It's a Jesus gospel. It is Jesus' way of doing things. Feeding the hungry. Three, housing the homeless. Housing the homeless. Four, clothing the naked. Clothing the naked with both dignity and clothes. Clothing the naked. Clothing the naked with dignity and clothes. Five, being, sympath being sympathetic. Being sympathetic. Being sympathetic. And to be sympathetic is to be aware and available. To be sympathetic is to be aware and to be available. Both are required. It is not enough that I'm aware of what you're going through. It must also be that if I'm aware of what you're going through, I must be available when you need me and sometimes even when you don't know you need me. That's how sympathy works. That's how God's sympathy works. It's both an awareness and an availability. Six, not disdaining or despising, not disdaining, or despising others, be they from a different ethnicity, be they from a far left-leaning group, far right-leaning group, uh, be they from uh, a context where they are addicted, be they from uh, a group that uh, you don't agree with in terms of uh, gender uh, preferences, um, groups of uh, people that may not meet your moral standards uh, or um, s social standards, groups that 
have gotten where they have gotten through irresponsibility, sometimes through bad decisions. It doesn't matter. There's no disdaining or despising. Groups that uh, may have come in as legitimate immigrants across the wall, across the border, illegitimately, doesn't matter. You see where Christianity is at at times, eh? Divided down lines where there's great despising and disdain. Next one. Pouring out your resources. Pouring out resources. Pouring out resources. Pouring out yourself. Pouring out yourself. And it happens in two ways. One, in um, resources that bring relief. And then, relationship that brings relief. It's two-pronged. It's not just resources, because sometimes signing a check is the easiest way to both um, um, placate my guilt and do something good. Uh, if uh, that's the way I want to go, it's still great that I'm writing a check. But when it comes to pouring out myself, it's both resources that bring relief and relationship with the one I'm resourcing that brings relief. It's both. So where are you getting all this from, Jacob? Let's go back to Isaiah 58. Let's read from... Um, let me get a version. Let's read from the NIRV. Isaiah 58, verse 6 onwards. Here is the way I want you to fast. Set free those who are being held by chains without any reason. Untie the ropes that hold people as slaves. Set free those who are crushed. Break every evil chain. Love it. Love it. Let me read it again. Set free those who are held by chains without any reason. Basically, it's saying, don't go for a prison break. Um, untie the ropes that hold people as slaves. Set free those that are crushed. Break every evil chain. Share your food with the hungry people. Provide homeless people with a place to stay. Give naked people clothes to wear. Provide for the needs of your own family. Then the light of my blessing will shine on you like the rising sun. I will heal you quickly. I will march out ahead of you. My glory will follow behind you and guard you. That is because I always do what is right. You will call out to me for help and I will answer you. You will cry out and I'll say, here I am. Then here's the rest that we've written down. Get rid of the chains you use, you use to hold others down. Stop pointing your finger at others as if they had done something wrong. Stop saying harmful things about them. Work hard to feed hungry people. Satisfy the needs of those who are crushed. Then my blessings will light up your darkness. The night of your suffering will become as bright as the noonday sun. I will always guide you. I will satisfy your needs in a land that is baked by the sun. I'll make you stronger. You'll be like a garden that has plenty of water. You'll be like a spring whose water never runs dry. Your people will rebuild the cities that were destroyed long ago. And you will build again on old foundations. You will be called the one who repairs broken walls. You will be called the one who makes city streets new again. And then I skip verse 13 and I'm going to verse 14. Then you will find your joy in me. I'll give you control over the most important places in the land. And you will enjoy all of the good things in the land I gave your father Jacob. 
the Lord has spoken. Beautiful. We cannot address all the ills in a city, leave, uh, or even all the ills in a neighborhood. We cannot address all of it. Partly because we are a very small group of people. A larger church may be able to do more, but we are not able to take care of all the ills in a city or a neighborhood. But what we need to do is work with what God puts his finger on and what God uh, puts our hearts and hands to. We have to work with what God puts his finger on and what God puts our hearts and our hands to. His intent is very clear. His intent is, he's asking Acts 29, you want a revival in your city? I'm giving you different means to bring it to pass. I've already provided you, furnished you with all the answers. Uh, one of the ways you bring uh, this kind of revival in your city is by following what is so clearly outlined in Isaiah 58. His intent is, can you break the chains of injustice in the area that I tell you to? Can you break chains of injustice? Chains of injustice in the area that I tell you to. Can you break chains of injustice in the area that I tell you to? Can you let the oppressed grow free? Can you let, can you let the oppressed grow, go free? Can you let the oppressed go free? Can you break yokes? Can you break yokes? And to take a um, line out of Nehemiah, can you build up the section of the city wall I'm giving you? Can you build up, can you build up the section of the city wall that I'm giving you. I'm appointing you to. Can you build it up? At the end of the day, guys, this is the Isaiah 61 cry. It's the Isaiah 61 cry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to set the captive free, to open prison doors. Basically, Isaiah 61 is saying, hey, Acts 29, live to set people free by my spirit. Live to set people free by my spirit. By the power of my spirit, live to set free people free. That's the cry of Isaiah 61. This is a question that's being asked. Can you break chains of injustice? And my answer on your behalf, if I may speak for you, is yes, O oh God, show us where. I'm setting you up, of course. If you have any questions, ask, because So our mandate, as far as I know, based on some of the things we're already doing every week, which just stuns me as I hear these stories, our mandate is one, care for the homeless. Our mandate is care for the homeless, which 
people are already doing. It's already in the works through your life. Story after story proves it every week. Our mandate is one, just two things that I believe we are called to do. Our mandate is care for the homeless. And the second that's already in the works that many of you are engaging in is to rescue, is to rescue and restore, rescue and restore women in the sex trade. How do we do this? One life at a time. Hallelujah. We live all over the place. How do we do this as a people and live where we live? Yep, uh, tell Diana that that question will be answered in eight minutes and 42 seconds. Yeah, so care for the homeless. Rescue and restore women, women caught in the sex trade. Uh, I know that many of you are already, not many of you, some of you are already involved in this um, uh, intent to, ch if nothing else, change rules that apply to uh, women caught in the sex trade. Um, I don't claim to know much about it, but I know that this is something God would have us engage in one life at a time. And... Um, I remember asking God about this two weeks ago, saying, Father, is this something that Acts 29 should get into? I understand caring for the homeless, but is this something that you really want us to get into? And I had left the question, and then um, I think the next morning or the morning after I get up, and I'm, I'm humming this tune to a song that I don't know. I just know it says Three Wooden Crosses. It's a Randy, Tra Randy Travis song. I don't know the rest of the words, eh? And so uh, I'm, 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 I'm saying three words and crosses, and I don't know the rest of the words, so I can't even hum it properly because I don't remember the tune. But I knew that as soon as I woke up, God was saying, "Go check out the words." So I check out the words, and um, obviously this is anecdotal, but I just want you to hear the words. And I don't know why it moved me like crazy, and I felt God saying, "Yep, go ahead with." Uh, what I have set out for you as a church. And so here are the words to the Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis. And it uses a word, it uses words that perhaps a songwriter can have license for, so don't get offended by it. It says, a farmer, a teacher, a hooker and a preacher riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico. One's headed for vacation, one for higher education, and two of them were searching for lost souls. The driver never ever saw the stop sign and 18-wheelers can't stop on a dime. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind when you go. The farmer left a harvest, a home, and 80 acres, the faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart. The teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children did her best to give them all a better start. And that preacher, he whispered, can't you see the promised land as he laid his blood-stained Bible in that hooker's hand? That's the story that our preacher told last Sunday as he held that blood-stained Bible up for all of us to see. He said, bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher who gave this Bible to my mama 
who read it out to me. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, now I guess I know. It's not what we take when you leave this world behind you. It's what we leave behind when you go. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. I believe that you will... I believe that your children will be blessed because of what we will engage in. I believe that they will reap the rewards of what we will do. I'm talking about your actual children, leave alone spiritual children. Doesn't matter whether it's a woman by the well, whether it's a woman caught in adultery, whether it's a woman who was a slave to the spirit of divination and brought her master's great gain. There is something to what God is asking us to do that will bless your children's children because of what you do. It's already in the works, guys, through your lives. And we will see story after story unfold in the days ahead. Eh? And it's odd how this thing works. On one hand, we're doing what Jesus would have done because you would find him in the center of most cities and he's already there ahead of us. Uh, two, in doing this, <laughs> we are already um, creating an environment that is just so special for a revival. Because if a revival only touches Christians, if a revival only touches um, the ones who can understand, if a revival only touches the ones you come to, come in contact with. If the revival doesn't touch the oppressed, the deprived, the downtrodden, the sin, uh, the sin-ridden, then it's not a real revival. Yeah. You should count this as a privilege, guys. Why us? I marvel at this. To be part of history, it never will be known in history, but to be part of history, where God is writing, I know it sounds so cliched, but God is writing his story across the earth through a move that'll affect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and that it'll go and touch uh, Mary out of whom seven demons had to be cast, cast out or a woman with an alabaster flask who no one would allow into their homes or someone who just hasn't experienced what it is to jump on a bed with clean sheets and take a warm bath. I'm not trying to move you, I'm just moved, that's all. So how does this work? given that we're in different places and it's a vast city. It's almost like this idea of me taking this um, duster and dropping it. And then there's this beautiful progression that is enacted as I go to pick up the duster. <laughs> I'm not trying to romanticize picking up a duster, <laughs> but just imagine it. Eh? As I go to pick it up, the head gives the order. The body goes to work. Different parts acting individually or in tandem. Sometimes some of the fingers have to act individually, other times an entire hand has to act in tandem. But it is this beautiful progression 
where the head gives an order, the body goes to work, different parts acting individually or in tandem to marshal a collective response, eh? Hallelujah. So as I go to pick up the duster, I don't know how the body works. All I know is my head says, go pick it up. And different parts of my body, some working in tandem, as in together, some working individually, but the entire body responding so that there's a collective response. That's how this works. And so God only knows how many bones, muscles, tendons, and ligaments just went into picking this simple thing up. How many thousands of nerves, how many and flashes across my neurons and my synapses. Who knows whether I even, I'm even saying the right thing. Uh, actually uh, went into effect in just picking up a simple duster from the ground. And that's how this works. As opposed to a program, and, and, and you must remember something else, that part of the reason God is able to do this through us is because as a church over the last 16 years, we've understood what it is to function as a body that a program does not bring the body together, that the body has been brought together by the Spirit of God, where we understand that our significance comes from what we are a part of. Now that God has brought us there, and he worked really hard on it for 16 years, now that he's brought us there, as opposed to a program, we have multiple hearts and hands in ones, in twos, in households and in churches, like an orchestra with a percussion, um, area and a wind instrument area and a string instrument and voice um, sections all playing the same composition so how does it work and how does it work across a big city it works just like this where there is a common spirit that we draw from and we understand the simple mandate given to us care for the homeless rescue and restore women caught in the sex trade and as God begins to put ones and twos and households and churches together, suddenly the simple mandate begins to actually happen through an entire group of people, but not through a program being imposed on them, but it happening spontaneously. So then, yeah, and occasionally there'll be things you'll find that you're doing exactly the same thing someone else was doing. Other times it'll be different. This way, the number of people met are not just in a Wally or a New Westminster or a downtown core or Richmond. It is all across. This is what the church was meant to be, that the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. How? Through the people of God who don't gather together in one place, plan a program and then go out and do it. Nothing wrong with that, but it ain't the way to... It ain't the perfect way to do it. The perfect way to do it is to spontaneously combust under the power and the ignition of the Holy Spirit in different places you are in. When you suddenly see someone coming out of your building and you realize that this person doesn't look like they are caught in a trade, but you realize that this person is caught in a trade even though the person looks very different. Or it could be someone else caught downtown or in different parts and now each person becomes an extension of the hand or the leg or the feet or the mouth or the money purse of Jesus Christ. I think I've explained it. So while Derek was explaining the things that were happening, Wally, uh, I met a man here, just down the road, who needed help. And Sheldon met a man um, 
in his part of town and heaven meets a man where he's working. And no one's keeping tabs. Oh my God, the Spirit of God is percolating in, throughout the entire city. When I hear the stories that I'm hearing, uh, it doesn't shame me, but it encourages me to, to, to do exactly what the rest of the body is doing. And I love being outdone by the church. I love being outdone by the church. Thank God the pastor is being outdone, outdone by miles. Eh? Uh, Diana's question is, why can't we do both the individual and the bigger stuff? Uh, I agree, but let's start with the individual thing. Let it be something that weighs so heavily on your heart that if you were the only believer left <laughs> in your part of town, you would still not be able to hold yourself back. We'll talk more about that tomorrow where I have to identify and weep with the city as Jesus did so that uh, my feet move. A program is not what should move me. So I agree, we should do it both individually and together. But may it start with me as an individual meeting up with you or three others and saying, let's go do this together. Let it begin that way. When it begins that way, because it's something that God is giving the entire body and it trickles down, every part of the body knows what it is supposed to do. Every part of my body knew that I had to pick up the duster. It was now only a matter of when. Every part is ready, saying, let's pick it up. And so it's not individual or corporate, it's both. But let's begin this way. So let me end with these statements that I read from NIRV, and then we'll sing that song, or we'll, we might pray and then sing that song uh, from, uh, what's the song? What, what does it say? La da 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 da. I haven't. May our homes be filled with dancing. May our streets be filled with joy. May injustice bow to Jesus as your people turn to pray. We'll sing that one. Yeah? So let me read these verses out once more. And then I'd like to commit us towards this task today. Um, and I'm looking forward to in-person meetings, eh? I've had so many requests from people at Axman saying, can I come for today's live stream? And I hate saying no. Uh, I'd love to say yes, but we can't. But I'm, I'm up till here with live stream. And if I'm feeling that way, I can't imagine what it is to sit and watch things on a screen, man. It must be terrible and difficult. And one of the things we'll do as soon as in-person services is allowed is we'll um, um, we'll thin down the um, sound and live stream crew to bare minimum because these guys have been pretty good at it. They can do it in their sleep now. So we'll have bare minimum staff so that more people can attend the actual service. So most of you guys are on notice. Eh? You'll be losing your jobs. Yeah. Okay, so let's read these scriptures. Yep, this is verse 12 and 14 from Isaiah 58 uh, from the NIRV. And this is what God would like to say to us. Your people will rebuild the cities that were destroyed long ago. 
and you will build again on old foundations. You will be called the one who repairs broken walls. You will be called the one who makes the city streets like new again. Then you will find your joy in me. I will give you control over the most important places in the land. And you will enjoy all of the good things in the land I gave your father Jacob. The Lord has spoken. One more time. And then Betty will come up and pray. Uh, Your people will rebuild the cities that were destroyed long ago. Your people, as in you guys, will rebuild the cities that were destroyed long ago. You will build again on old foundations. You will be called the one who repairs broken walls. You will be called the one who makes city streets like new again. Then you will find your joy in me. I will give you control over the most important places in the land. You will enjoy all of the good things in the land I gave your father Jacob. The Lord has spoken. After Betty prays, we'll uh, sing... uh, that song. Uh, the intent of this prayer is to commit us to this task. Yeah. Abba, I just want to first and foremost thank you for this mandate. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be a restorer, yeah. just as Jesus was also mandated to come to earth, to restore yeah. all the earth. And so it's in this privilege that we're able to walk with you, Abba. So I pray for your heart. I pray yeah. for your heart. Yeah. Um, that you replace our hearts of stone with your hearts of flesh. So yeah. that as we walk, Abba, we walk with, with your spirit. Yeah. Uh, and we have your eyes, Jesus. Hallelujah. And um, as we go forth, Abba, may we always have you before us knowing that as you walk before us, you'll always tell us where to go. Yeah. You don't need to worry um, about what to say because your words are upon our lips. Yeah. So we just want to thank you again for this privilege, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Betty.